And so we're glad that you're here. Uh, we're thankful that you're a part of us. And I'm also thankful for the, uh, our, our technical team, our AV team, for, for helping us uh, to get this happening. So wherever you are, we want to invite you to join with us in prayer. And let's ask the Lord to have his way, to lead us and guide us as we invite his presence wherever we are into our, our, our setting right here. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this time. We're so grateful that we can gather together, Lord, and be able to, even in remote places, to unite in prayer and unite together in your word and in some fellowship, Lord God, as it were. But I pray that even in this virtual fellowship, Lord, that your presence would be ever so real, that your anointing and your spirit would move upon our hearts, that you would speak to us, Lord God, uh, even from what we have uh, perhaps struggled with throughout this week and what we have undergone throughout this day. We ask you to lift every burden, take away every pressure and stress, Lord God, that has been upon our shoulders and help us to enter into your presence even as we look into your word. I pray that you strengthen every body, every mind, every heart and Lord God, give us the wisdom and insight and the hunger and desire by which we can know you more and more through your word. So bless us now and all that are watching with us that are part of this uh, midweek Bible study. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we trust that uh, you've all had a great week and uh, everybody's just um, been able to, to go about their, their daily uh, routines and their weekly routines. And for most of us, that's going to be restricted, of course, because of our, our measures that our government has put in place for us to um, be able to curve this or bend this curve or straighten this curve uh, of infection that we're seeing in our world. And so we don't have our normal services anymore, uh, as it were, but we are still live streaming our services on Saturday and, and on Wednesdays we have our Bible studies. We do have our, our Facebook pages that uh, we continually um, send out communications and by email. And uh, we also this morning started a devotional uh, five-minute devotional, and we will be having a different leader from our church every day sharing something uh, from the Word of God as we lead up to our Easter weekend. It is the 1st of April, and I don't know if you had any uh, April Fool's pranks today, um, but uh, we have started it th this morning, and also our youth, our key, our Kingdom Elevated Youth, are also doing a devotional for our young people, uh, so make sure you are connected to that and are part of that, and, and let's continue to seek the Lord together. Amen. Well, uh, last week we looked into um, the uh, protocols for a pandemic and I shared uh, a few tips about how we should um, carry on and what we should be doing in a time like this uh, with the limitations that we have. And we also looked at some of the, the big questions that this crisis has stirred up within many minds and hearts of people uh, at this time that they're beginning to seek after things and questions in particular. And so I'm going to continue a little bit on that again today. And I won't go for too long, but I do want to share, there's quite a bit of scripture um, that uh, we want to go through tonight. And I am also mindful that every time I say we're not going to go for too long, I, I do take a long time. <laughs> but uh, I, I do want to bless you and I hope and pray that this will be a blessing and will minister to you uh, the way that it has ministered to me and as I prepared this lesson. So if you have your Bibles, let's read the Word of God together in the book of Psalms. 130 verse number 7 our opening texts and also Ephesians 5 and 16 the, these will be our opening scriptures and Psalms 130 and 7 it says O Israel hope in the Lord for with the Lord there is mercy 
and with him is abundant redemption. Amen. Thank God for his hope that we can have hope in God, which the Bible says is the anchor of the soul. And that hope is from God. And with him, the Bible says, is abundant redemption. Amen. And then our second text is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 16. Ephesians 5 and 16. Uh, I will be referring to this passage a little later on in its entirety, or at least in a greater context. But we'll look at just one verse for now. In verse number 16, it says, Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And I want to look at that word tonight that we saw in Psalms 130 about God being the abundant redeemer or providing abundant redemption and redeeming the time. And I simply want to talk to you tonight about redeeming the time, redeeming the time. Last week, we dealt with a few issues that, uh, as I said, this uh, crisis has triggered in the hearts and minds of many people. One of them being, did God cause this virus? Is he the author of this pandemic? And of course, the answer uh, that I submitted to you was, no, he is not the cause but I also believe that he will use it for his ultimate purpose. He allows these things to happen. He allows calamity to take place in the world, in the lives of people, even in the lives of his children, the church, for a purpose that will ultimately serve his, his good or his ultimate purpose. Amen. And so I, I just touched on that last week, and I want to look into this a little deeper tonight and uh, give us some, some encouragement about redeeming the time. Amen. Uh, to answer this question, we have to, of course, in answering the question of uh, this issue of evil in this world, we have to also take into consideration a few ideas and principles. Firstly, the fact is that we are all going to die. Okay? To answer the question, of how God will redeem the times, or how he will use this evil for ultimate good, we have to understand, firstly, that we are all going to die. Okay, that's, that's a fact. And because there are many people today who are questioning this idea of why does God allow evil to happen in the world if he was such a loving God? Why does he allow good, peoples, good people uh, to die or to suffer? And, and this is, as I said before, one of the, the issues of the... Uh, the things that sh the Christians struggle to answer or give a, a definitive answer that will be satisfying to many uh, of the cries of the world of this seeming injustice that why doesn't God stop this coronavirus? Why, doesn't he, why does he allow this even to happen? And why does he not just send instant miracles and healings? Well, first of all, we have to understand that we are all going to die. Okay, so with that understanding, we've, we've come to know that that we're not going to live forever. So God's not going to heal every single person because if he did that since 2,000 years ago in the time of Christ where he healed everybody from all kinds of diseases, well, the apostles would still be alive today and, and the, the, the population of the world would be humongous uh, because of the accumulation of all the people that have ever lived on this earth for the last 2,000 years at least. Uh, and so we all understand that we're all going to die. And, and what, I guess, makes this situation scarier is because of its, 
It's a new kind of virus we've never seen before. There's a high rate of, of infection. But the fact of the matter is, and, and I'm not trying to downplay the seriousness of this situation, the fact of the matter is people are dying every second. As I'm clicking my fingers, somebody is slipping away into eternity. And people, uh, sadly, are slipping away into an eternity without God. And so the fact is that we're all going to die, and God will not keep us from death. He doesn't heal us of every disease. He doesn't protect us from every car wreck. Unfortunately, there are Christians who've died that way. And we even know today of believers who have been infected with this, with this virus. And does that mean that, that they're sinners or that God doesn't love them? Once again, this is what I touched on last week. It doesn't mean that at all. It just happens randomly. In this world, there's a sense of randomness. But what is not random is that even in death, God is always with the believer. Okay? So whether it's this coronavirus, whether it's heart disease, whether it's diabetes, whether it's the common flu. And, and you know, incidentally, the common flu takes about 1,500 to 3,000 people every year in Australia. And that's, that's just one of the statistics. I think in the United States, it's about 50,000 die of the common flu. And yet there's not that sense of pandemonium about that because that's been happening for a long, long time. And so with that in mind, we are buoyed by the fact, of course, that this, the, the rates of infection is, is somewhat uh, leveling out a little bit. Um, and, and that's great to see because I think Australians generally are doing their bit. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, we're going to die at some point. And so even though he didn't cause, God didn't cause this disease, he's not the author of it. In fact, he's not the author of any evil, but he uses it in order to bring about his ultimate good. And that brings about my second point with this, is that in God's grand scheme, the priority of God is to get people to heaven with him forever. And that takes priority over giving even the believers a comfortable life here on earth. I know that might be difficult for some to receive and some to understand because maybe your Christianity is, uh, your theology is that God's going to deliver you out of you know, everything that you don't desire, every situation that's undesirable, that he's going to give you everything that you need. But that's not the Bible. Um, but his intention is that we would ultimately be in heaven forever. And so... Uh, that points to the fact that he will redeem this situation in order for us to be saved. And this leads to my third point, is that it's, a, it's an explanation that's closely related to, to the first two points, of course, and that is that God in his goodness will use this crisis for his ultimate good and for the ultimate good of all mankind. Okay? So he uses crisis, crises, in order to bring about God's goodness, which is to get man saved. Okay? So this presupposes that God is perfectly good. He is, uh, you know, you, you've got to, to have that, that if you're going to consider these weightier issues of life, of why evil is allowed, you've got to first of all have this presupposition, this understanding, this premise that God is perfectly good. Okay? That he's not somehow in heaven uh, with any kind of malevolent or sinister motive to try and make life miserable for us, you've got to conceive, and, and because we can conceive of a God that is perfect and upright, that there is no evil in Him, the Bible says, that that 
with that understanding, with that lens or that, that pair of glasses that you would wear to see the world, you see it through the lens of the fact that God is good. Listen to what Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse number 4 says. It says, uh, the rock, he is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice or just. In other words, his justice is perfect. There, there is no uh, um, imbalance with, with the, uh, uh, the, the weight of justice that, that he weighs on the balance. He's a God of truth. And the Bible says, without injustice, righteous and upright is he. We used to sing this song many years ago. Uh, God is, is of faithfulness. And I'm not going to sing that for you here tonight, just for your, for your sake. <laughs> but um, he is righteous and upright and perfect. Amen. God's righteousness, there is no, uh, there's no blemish to it, but He is perfectly upright. And so we've got to understand that with God, that whatever uh, hardship that we go through, whatever difficulties and trials He allows to take place in our lives, uh, remember that, that He is so just and perfect that He must have, He must have a good to redeem out of this situation. So th that's, that's where the reasoning take place, takes place. Is that if you look at this issue of evil happening through the lens that God is perfectly upright, when you look at God that way, then you won't see, you won't interpret your situation as God doing something bad to you, but you will interpret it as this is a bad situation. But God in His uprightness and perfect justice, He will redeem it, He will use it for my ultimate good. Amen. And uh, even though, here's the greatest promise, even though he, promised, he never promised us that we would have a life free of hardship and pain and difficulty and what seems to be unjust, yet he does promise us that no matter what we go through, he will be with us. And somehow he will give us the strength, uh, the inner fortitude, the, the inner drive to be able to keep going forward and pursuing the will of God. Here's what... What Joseph said, uh, the, the wonderful story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 22. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. Uh, he was talking to his brothers, of course, when he confronted them and they were still, they had a sense of that they were uh, they did so so wrong by him that they were stricken by guilt and he basically told them you know what you meant for evil actually you know we we mean evil all the time sometimes with each other and, and in this world there's evil in this world but whatever's meant for evil god was able to turn it around and use it for good that's what it means brothers and sisters to redeem something to redeem something it means to, to take something that was uh, wasted, that was disappointed, that was a failure, that was evil, and take it, take it, maybe what it's, it's a waste, and you can turn it around and use it for something valuable. That's what it means to redeem. When you redeem something, it was worthless, it was pointless, it was a, a failure, uh, but you buy it back, as it were, from the pawn shop, and by buying it back, you add value and worth to it. And I want to submit, submit to you today, brothers and sisters, that God is a God of redemption. He is 
our Redeemer. As Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives because what he's saying is that no matter how, how messed up my life is right now, God has the power to redeem and make something beautiful out of it that even from the ashes he can cause the phoenix to rise even out of out of the broken pieces of your life he can piece it together and as the master he can create a masterpiece amen uh, that's what the greek word is for master we interpret masterpiece for this poemi which is where we get the word poem from amen that your life even though it was a mess yet in the hands of the master poet he can turn your life into a poem. He can turn it into something beautiful. In his time, the Bible says, it will turn into something wonderful and powerful. And I want you to know that that's one attribute of God that we need to remember today, that he is a redeemer, that he redeems. He makes something good out of what something seems to be worthless. Somebody said one man's treasure or one man's trash is another man's treasure. The world's trash. We might have been trash in the world. But in the hands of God, we become the treasures of God. We are His treasures. Amen. Uh, again, uh, Isaiah 44 tells us in verse 24, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and He who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. He stretches not just the, the heavens, it's referring to the entire universe. Do you realize that the scientists are telling us that the universe is actually expanding? Yes, because that's what God said. I, the one who stretched out, who is expanding this universe, and he calls himself your Redeemer. Amen. Praise God. Again, let, let me just uh, reiterate a little bit more about this idea of a Redeemer. A Redeemer sees value in what is seemingly worthless. A Redeemer looks at a slave. That's where that term really was, was, was being used. A redeemer looks at a slave and sees freedom. A redeemer transforms reality by paying the price that makes a new reality possible. Amen. Praise God. And so I want you to understand today that God will use this crisis and he will redeem it. He will redeem this crisis for his purpose. How exactly does God redeem, or how is this crisis redemptive? Well, he can use it to bring a sobering reminder. First of all, he can bring a sobering reminder to the world of, of our absolute frailty and utter helplessness in a world that we can't control. We are still subject to the elements of the world whether it's, it's a virus, whether it's uh, an earthquake, whether it's a, a thunderstorm, a cyclone, a, a tornado, or, or whatever it is, we are still all very much subject to the elements of this world. And, and this is a reminder to us that, that there are some things beyond our control that we have absolutely no power to deal with. And I think this, this crisis he can utilize to awaken the consciences of the people of this world for them to begin to recognize that, hang on a minute, I, I need help. I, I am futile. And the Bible says that we are like grass. We're, we're, we're there for, for one week and then we're, we're gone after a while. You know, it's, it's a reminder to this world that, that we are not going to be here forever. And, and of course, people have been thinking and seeing what's happening on the news, what's happening in the world, and they're beginning to ask that question. What, what if I get this, this corona? What, what happens if I get this disease? 
what will happen to me or even our elders perhaps. And, and this perhaps will start to, to trigger that the thought and the thinking of, of what, where will I spend eternity? When I, where will I go after I die? Uh, I, I think deep down uh, in, in the hearts of people, uh, th- as a wake-up call, they will begin to, to see that this is very much a reality. And, and it's like a trumpet sound. It's like the voice of one crying in the wilderness, let this coronavirus do what we even as a church have failed to do in bringing conviction to, to this world. Let us speak to them about the reality of, of where they will spend eternity. That's why the Bible also says that it's you know, better to go to the house of mourning than it is to go to the house of feasting. It's better to go to a funeral than it is to go to a party. That's what God is saying because when we go to a funeral, we start to contemplate. We start to, to reflect and think about life and about death. And so God can redeem the situation for the church. And I believe with all my heart that God, this could trigger, this pandemic could trigger the greatest revival that Australia has ever seen. Amen. Uh, you know, we've been so blessed in this country. We are, uh, you know, a developed nation. We are a part of the Western world that uh, we've got all of these great infrastructures and economically we're strong. Uh, maybe not so much as of late because all that money is going. But I want to remind you, we've been so comfortable in this nation for so long uh, that perhaps this is a wake-up call to trigger this country to a, a nationwide revival as it probably would throughout the entire globe. And this is my prayer, that there would be a revival that this world has never seen. You, you remember the, the stories of the, the Spanish flu, the reports of the Spanish flu. Well, right after the Spanish flu in 1920, then that, the, 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 um, the decade preceding that, it, it, it was basically the, uh, the Great Depression that came. And, and when the Great Depression hit, th- there was also a great revival that took place. They were talking about having prayer meetings in the middle of Central Park. Uh, as you know, they would be, you know, jumping. Some, some people who lost their investments would be jumping off out of their buildings because they lost all of their money. What it did to that society, it started to awaken the consciousness of the people to where they were having prayer meetings in the park, prayer meetings in the, in the, uh, um, in, in the warehouses, in the offices, wherever it is. And could it be that this situation that we're facing today is, is going to usher in the greatest move of God that this nation has ever seen? I don't know, but I'm certainly going to be praying in that. And I want to challenge you, brothers and sisters, POS, whoever's watching, to begin to pray in that direction. That, God, you would bring such a sweeping revival. The people, even though we're separated right now, we could be given Bible studies. Again, here's another challenge for you. I want you to to see if you can give a Bible study to somebody through Skype or through Zoom or all of these platforms that are available to us and see if God will not fill somebody with the gift of the Holy Ghost because something's happening. I mean, even last week... We baptized five people in the name of Jesus Christ all on separate dates. And they didn't care that the church was shut. They wanted to get baptized. And I've already got two phone calls today of two people this week that wants to get baptized and have their sins washed away. We don't even know who's watching the live stream. We don't even know who's, who's, who's uh, tuning in every week uh, even before this uh, situation had taken place. There was already God was working on them and it took something like this to push them, as it were, to take that step of faith for them to be born again. Oh, I'm believing that, brothers and sisters. I'm believing for a revival that is all-encompassing, that is sweeping 
throughout every home in this city and this nation, through schools and, you know, the, 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 the anti-Christian principles and anti-Christian spirit has been in this world for so long. Amen. He can put all the fear that he wants to, the Antichrist, but I want you to know that the church is now ready to stand up and say that there is hope in Jesus, that there's hope in Christ. So I feel like preaching right now. I wish I had an audience right here that could preach with me, but I want you to know this is going to be redeemed. God is a redeemer. He will redeem this situation to use it for his good, for his kingdom, for his glory. Amen. Amen. I'm not preaching. I ought to teach. Amen. It is a wake-up call to the church. There, there's a saying, somebody said, uh, I can't remember which uh, individual said this, he said, but when a country is confronted by a war or a pandemic, the culture digs deeper into their faith. And, and Martin Niles, I was what, listening to him recently, and he was saying that majority of Australians have faith. Majority of Australians have faith, even if they don't have, you know, necessarily believe in organized religion, but deep down inside, most Australians have faith. And we're going to appeal to God that, that He would stir that, that up because uh, this pandemic will cause the culture to dig deeper into their faith. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it tells us, as we know that all things work together for good. There it is. To those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. He said all things are working. Everything that you see, you know, that you, you may not recognize the final play, but the pieces on the board are, are in position, and you may not know the ending, but God knows it's, he's working it all out in order to be able to bring it to pass, that it would work together for good. And it's only for those, however, let me just, uh, again, make this disclaimer, only for those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. The church is the called. We are the called out ones. Amen. And I believe that, that with all that's going on, the, the, the church is at the center of God's attention always to bring about His purpose and His good. Amen. And so I think I've established the fact that God is a redeemer. He always uses... He's, somebody said he's the grand recycler, okay? We, we're so used to recycling our stuff today. God is the grand recycler. He never wastes anything. He always uses, if you read in your Bible and the stories in Scripture, he always uses what is already available upon the earth because all truth is God's truth. He created this world. That's why when Jesus was getting ready to feed the 5,000, you know, he could have just snapped his fingers and, you know, Big Macs started to multiply everywhere and Happy Meals all around for 5,000. He didn't do that. He asked his disciples, what have you got? What is it that you have? And they said, we only got a couple of loaves and five loaves and two fish and, and that's it. But he said that was enough. Even though that was all that they had, even though it, it, it was so small in comparison to the need, yet God never wastes anything. Even if it's small, uh, that the, the, the prophet Elisha did the same. What have you got in your house? He said to the widow woman. I've got nothing, nothing, she said, but just a jar of oil. Well, we'll use that. He asked Moses, what have you got in your hand? It's nothing but a stick. Well, lay it down and God will use it and turn into the rod of God. He used a shepherd boy. He wasn't, David wasn't, uh, didn't he wield a sword? He didn't have a shield. All he had was a sling and God used whatever he had in his hand 
And even if he didn't have anything in his hand, he was willing to be used. Remember what David said, with my bare hands, I killed the bear. That's why he was able to kill the bear, because he had bare hands. That's a joke. Amen. That's a dad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> but whatever it is, God never wastes. He, he recycles. He takes the trash and he can turn it into a treasure. He takes something that's thrown away and he redeems it for something useful for his kingdom. The grand redeemer, the grand recycler. Amen. And so uh, that brings us to our text in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to read a few verses in Ephesians chapter 5, if you would bear with me. I'm going to try and limit this to, to 45 hours, I mean 45 minutes. And verse 13 of Ephesians 5 says this, But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Did you read that? I love this text. Whatever makes manifest is light. So, here it is. The, the closer you get to the light, this is what Jeff Arnold says, the closer you get to the light, the more the light will begin to reveal or manifest some of the uh, infractions and some of the failings and the, the sins that are hidden within us. The closer we draw to the light, the more we will see. Okay? What does make manifest, what reveals is the light. Amen. Verse 14, therefore he says, awake you who sleep, Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Amen. What he's saying is, uh, we have the capacity and the, the ability to add value to time. You know, we, we, we waste so much time. There's so much time to be wasted, I can't remember the statistics I, I was reading a while ago about the, how many uh, you know, days and years we spend just waiting in lines of banks or uh, waiting to uh, watch this and that or the other. But uh, what he's saying is that we need to value the time that God has given to us. And so the days that we're in are evil. We are in, in a, some kind of a restricted uh, movement. Many of us have to stay home. We're told that we've got to stay home. Uh, we're not quite at the level of a full, uh, uh, like, draconian measure of, of, you know, you can't leave the house at all except for shopping. We can still walk to the park. We, uh, we can still walk and exercise, and we can still go to work. Uh, but but there we are restricted in our movement. And so what I'm saying to you today is that while we are restricted, we can use this opportunity. We can redeem this opportunity, redeem this time uh, for something that would be good. Verse 17, it says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Amen. A perfect example of somebody that redeemed their circumstance and redeemed their terrible situation was, of course, the story of Joseph. You all know the story, how Joseph was sold into slavery uh, and how eventually, even after he was at Potiphar's house, he was thrown into prison. But remember in that story that even though he was a slave in Potiphar's house, he was imprisoned uh, in the prison cells, uh, he used it. He made the best out of a bad situation. He didn't grope around. He didn't uh, murmur and complain and whinge. He says, oh man, look at what's happened to me. There's, there's no point of living. Uh, there's no point in trying. Why should I clean up Potiphar's house? He might as well kill me because now, you know, look at what's happened to me. Woe is me. He didn't do any of that. 
But he learned. He, you know, you, I mean, Joseph was one of those guys that you can't even say one bad thing about the guy. He was just an incredibly uh, just astute and, and well-rounded individual who was able to take something that was so bad and use it for good. That, that even though he was a slave, he became the best slave. He did such an awesome job. He says, well, I'm confined to this home. I'm confined to this estate, but I'm going to make this the greatest estate in all of the land of Egypt. When he was thrown in prison, again, he had every reason to be bitter and, and full of resentment and hatred. And why would you even be motivated to do anything in prison? Just, just sit there in the, your cell and be upset and be angry. And why should you do anything? But, but he became a model prisoner. He, he became uh, one of the... Uh, the, a, a, a top sweeper, if you would, to use a, a modern a terminology. Uh, but he did something. He redeemed his time while he was there, and, and God used it because it was for God's ultimate purpose, eventually, that God would use him to, to, lead, this, to lead the nation of Egypt out of drought. Amen. He, you see the, the parallels in our world today. You know, maybe it's, for some, it's just an incidental thing that our prime minister is actually a born-again believer. He's spirit-filled. For all I know that he's, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He speaks in tongues. And he's been put in that position, even with all of the criticism that he receives and all of the questioning. And, and sometimes the questioning just, just astounds me. It's, they're not questions. They're questions that are filled with some kind of agenda from, from this media, the mainstream media that is, is so anti uh, the establishment or anti-conservative government. Um, but could it be that God selected this man to be the prime minister, even though he probably hasn't been perfect, but God knew that we would come to a pandemic in 2020 to where we needed a leadership that were, were going to be influenced by God and was going to need God's help. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And could it also be that our theme for this year together was what God has given to us to ready us, to prepare us, because he said your togetherness is going to be challenged. Your sense of community and family is going to be affected. And so God wanted to prepare us and ready us. And you know, folks, to me, that speaks to me of God showing to us that, that I've got everything under control. I've got a plan to redeem, even though it looks bad, even though the country's going through a valley where it's dark and where there's shadows and where it's uncertain. Yet God sees the valley and sees the other end of the valley. And I want you to know... I, uh, you know, we will get through this. We will get to the other side. But God forbid we get to the other side without God using it for His ultimate good and for souls to be saved. Uh, again, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm diminishing the importance of what's happening with people that are sick. But I want you to know, e even if we get rid of this coronavirus, there are still millions every day. The, the reality of, of Scripture, the biblical teaching is, is that they are going to hell every day and so god forbid that we should get through this without seeing souls added to the kingdom of god amen and so i've got about 10 minutes and again i want to give you some points of how we can redeem the time we are to make use of the time by redeeming it and making up for lost time perhaps that we've wasted by using the opportunity that we have okay so point number one how we redeem the time is uh, this, let this time remind us of what is important in life, okay? Let this time of confinement, of restrictions, remind us of what is important in life. Because during these draconian measures, 
some of the basic, some of the freedoms that we have that we normally enjoy is severely restricted. And uh, we are given uh, to stay home now with our family. But they've taken away, the government sees it absolutely fit. They see it quite acceptable to take away some of these things that we think really makes up life, even work and entertainment and play and recreation. And, and I'm not saying those things are bad. But what I'm saying is that, that this is reminding us of really what is the most important. But they can't take away our, our time with our family. Obviously not. Because that is really what is the most important thing in our lives. Is, is our family. Is our relationships. Is, is our relationships with one another. These are what, are what is important in life. You know, sometimes we can get so, so driven and get so caught up in the rat race and, and you know, doing the extra hours of work, doing the extra shifts because we want to buy the, 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 first, the top grade of that car. And, and again, I'm not saying those things are bad, but sometimes we can get so preoccupied by things that are really not important. We get preoccupied by politics at work, you know, but this person got... Uh, promoted over you and, and, and you know because that other person is sucking up to the boss and you didn't get this and, and it can affect us so much when really in a hundred years from now none of that's going to matter none of that is really important and so this time of being I guess stripped away if you would the, the, some of these, these finer things in, in life that are not really important are being stripped away from our lives to remind us of really what Life is really all about, and that is our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. That is the most vital thing. So don't look at this confinement and restriction as something negative necessarily. It's something that would remind us of really what we should be doing and focusing on is time with our family. I said this last week, time with our kids and, and time with our spouses and, and really time with God. And so that leads me to my second point, is as we, we need to use this time as a Sabbath or a sabbatical, okay? God wants His children to rest. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, He gave to us the famous Ten Commandments. Uh, through Moses, God gave us the Word of God. In, in Exodus 20, verse number 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And uh, verse 9, six days shall you labor and do all your work. And then on the seventh day, you're to rest. So we are to use this time as a time of rest. That's what the word Sabbath means. Sabbath means to rest. We are to, to just have a rest. And this is what God had intended for the children of Israel. When He brought them out of Egypt and He began to institute laws, He began to clean them up as, you, as it were and begin to give them instructions and understanding. One of the things that, that He gave them very, very specifically that was so important that they had to have a day of rest. Why is that? Why was that so important to God? Well, I think personally it's because the children of Israel for hundreds of years didn't have a day of rest. They were slaves. They were, their statuses were relegated to the level of a, an animal, a beast of burden, a machine, that they no longer reflected the image that they were created by, the image of God. They were now somebody's slave that was worthless or less value than they actually were in God. And so God wanted them to know, I want you to rest. Do absolutely nothing. Because even if you don't work that day, the world's not going to fall apart. In fact, this, uh, this concept of the Sabbath was so important to God that He even said, 
they even instituted a Sabbath year that after six years of working the land, they were to institute a seventh year. That seventh year, they were to do no work, no sowing, no reaping or farming of any kind because that year the people were to live of the previous harvest increase and so they had to rest the land for an entire year. That's what God instituted because He wanted them to know that all of your provisions, all of your working, all of your sowing and reaping, that is only made possible because of the grace of God. It's God that gives the increase anyway. And it was to remind them that their reliance was not on their own arm of strength. Their reliance was upon God who provides. That Sabbath was a constant reminder that they could never become so self-reliant and so, uh, so uh, uh, independent of God that they didn't need Him any longer. The Sabbath reminded them that, that they would stop and cease from their labors because even though they weren't working, God was going to provide for them. Of course, they had to work in advance to try and store up some of that that would sustain them for the year. But for that whole year, it was like a, an extended summer holiday that he wanted his children to ensure that they observed, to remind them that you are in my image, that you are still subject to this world and you still have to rely on me. And so I want to encourage you today to take this uh, uh, time of confinement as a time of rest. Um, you can rest from, from a lot of things. Uh, you can rest if you're able to work from home and perhaps your hours have been uh, 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 reduced. Uh, maybe don't, don't get upset. Don't, don't fear. Don't fret. If you lose your job, we're going to pray and we're going to rally around you. But don't fret. Know that you're in the hands of God. Remember what God said. God said if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Okay, that's what it says in the Word of God. So it's, in other words, it's God's will for you to work. And if it's God's will for you to work, He'll find, a will, uh, he'll find work for you because He equated it to eating. And if you don't eat after a while, you're going to die. Uh, of course, uh, we can still fast for some time and we'll still survive. But uh, understand that maybe this is happening and that we can take advantage of it for us to have a rest. I know some people who just feel absolutely guilty that they, they can't rest from any of that, that they feel like they have to keep working, they have to keep doing what they're doing. But I want to encourage you to rest. Um, okay, I, I've got to move on. I, I've got a few more points here that I want to go through. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And, and to still, to be still. And to, to, you know, the, the Bible also says, you know, in Psalms 127, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city. The watchman walketh, waketh, but in vain. In other words, we need God for all of this. Just because you're strong right now, you might be the CEO of your company, just because, you know, maybe even a lot of people are relying on you at work. Yet it's God that builds the house. It's the Lord that really watches, not the watchman. And verse number two, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Here's what I want you to do. But this, this confinement period that we're in, get some sleep. Amen. Well, Pastor, that's not very spiritual. It's not, but it's essential. And what God is saying, if you can learn to sleep, it's because you trust in me. 
You don't have to stay up all night tossing and turning, watching your gray hairs literally grow overnight, watching the, the hairs fall off your head and, and growing more wrinkles. And you don't have to do that because he is in charge anyway. And he says he gives his beloved sleep. So don't stress, don't fret. Give yourself a break. Give yourself rest because God, again, I say it again, God is large and in charge. He's still on the throne, hasn't abdicated his position. He still has all power. My Jesus is all-powerful, and so I want to encourage you to sleep. Don't stress, okay? Uh, redeem this time to sleep. Okay, I've got a few more minutes, uh, a few more points, and I know we've got to hurry. Uh, number three, don't lose your sense of humor, okay? These, I'm getting a little bit practical now. Don't lose your sense of humor, but enjoy your forced holiday if you are having to stay home all the time, okay? So... Uh, I think we need, to, we need to continue to smile. We need to continue to laugh. Uh, some people are, are so serious. I, I know people are dying. I know their circumstances, but they're not just dying of this virus. They're dying every day, left, right, and center from all kinds of things. But even in the hardest of circumstances, we mustn't lose our joy. Psalms 35, verse 9, it says, And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. Okay? So um, you, you, you have to choose to be happy. It says, my soul shall be joyful. It doesn't say, you know, oh, it'll, it'll be joyful, you know, when, when I hear something funny or somebody makes me laugh. Uh, happiness is a disposition. It's a choice that you make. You approach every conversation, interaction with an attitude of joy. Whenever you come to somebody, whenever you're interacting with somebody, have a smile already. Be ready to, to, to enjoy, to laugh, and to smile. Uh, just this week, you know, I, I was doing a premarital counseling uh, with a young couple that's going to get married. And uh, the young man, you know, he just, we just started sharing. He was just sharing, and, and he just started to, to laugh, and he just started to make me laugh. And my laughter started to uh, make him laugh even more, and him laughing even more was making me laugh. It was a contagious kind of laughter. And it was getting to the point where I was absolutely losing this, this, this premarital class. You know who I'm talking about, right, if you're watching this. And we were just laughing, and, and the young lady, the fiancé, was just looking at the both of us. You know, we were losing our minds, just laughing and laughing. But I tell you, it felt so good. It felt so awesome. Out of all the negativity that we've been, we've been hearing, uh, we were just able to enjoy that moment of laughter. It was something silly. There was nothing really... Uh, uh, humorous necessarily with what was being said, but it was just what, how he said it. And, and so uh, you have to choose to be joyful, okay? Um, there's evidence, obviously, for the direct benefits of humor in, in many studies. Among other things, laughter has been shown to reduce stress, to boost the immune system, to enhance brain chemistry through the release of serotonin and endorphins, and many popular antidepressants target the neurotransmitter serotonin by either blocking its reuptake or increasing production. But one can self-medicate using one's own serotonin supply by, by, by laughing, by watching something funny, uh, by, by, by having, uh, some, playing some games. Today was April Fool's Day, and I don't know if any of you, you know, made a, did a prank for, to anybody and... We used to do that as kids. I, I, I totally forgot about it today. Uh, but uh, it, it's good. And in fact, the Bible already says that even before that was a science report. 
The Bible also already says in Proverbs 17 and 22, it says a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. There you go. A merry heart does good like medicine. You ought to put a smile on your face every time you were down and that frown, you got to turn it upside down and learn to enjoy and have fun. Amen. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi said, he said, if I had no sense of humor, I would long ago have committed suicide. <laughs> Another said, uh, uh, Francis Bacon said, or Bacon <laughs> said, imagination was given to man to compensate him for what he is not. Okay? A sense of humor to console him for what he is. Folks, you can't take yourself too seriously. You've got to learn to laugh at yourself. You've got to learn to have a sense of humor, even in difficulties. I, I have been even in hospital uh, rooms where, where people literally have died and family members and talked in the sadness and, and somebody cracks a joke about that person or that person that had made them funny and everybody laughed. That's not sacrilegious. That's not disrespectful. But it, it helped. It actually provides us with, with strength and, and, and it's like medicine. It'll make you feel better. If you laugh more than you were depressed, if you laugh more than you were down, I'm telling you, your health situation will improve. Okay, number four. Uh, during this time, contact somebody who may be lonely. Okay, uh, call them on the phone. Um, message them. There's some people right now that are very, very isolated and very lonely. Please reach out to somebody. Uh, we also, um, we want to, uh, this is an announcement I should have made earlier. We want to make a, a collection of, for those who have lost their jobs, if you would like to donate some food, um, you know, we'll have the office here open uh, Mondays and Thursdays uh, where we're generally working from home right now. Uh, but we will have staff here on different occasions. So call us if you would like to donate some food, not like your, your leftover, you know, uh, asparagus sticks that nobody wants to eat, um, but, but something decent. For, we have a couple of families that have lost their jobs. And, and so we want to bless them. And even donation of money, if you'd like to do that, uh, you could donate it to our, our, our account. And, and just put it in there, uh, donation for relief. Um, and so we got a contact for somebody. Uh, we, know, we know the story of Job, how God had redeemed the situation in 42. The Bible says in Job 42, verse 10, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Let me tell you, if you bless others, if you take care of other people for Jesus Christ, God will take care of you. And we have to do that as a church. We have to go out of our way to help one another and bless each other because that is the spirit of Jesus Christ. That enacts and releases the blessing. As soon as he prayed for his friends, God gave him double what he lost. God redeemed his circumstance. And Job said those famous words, but as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last and after my body has been decayed, yet in my body I will see God. Amen. Number five, okay? Uh, we didn't have any worship tonight, so just bear with me. I've got a few more points. Number five, maintain your temple. Okay, 1 Corinthians 6 tells us, don't you know that your body is the, the temple of the Holy Spirit? So while you're at home, maintain the temple. It's your body. Take care of it. Uh, exercise while you're at home. Go for walks. Uh, here's, here's the struggle that we have when we're stuck at home. Uh, we usually just go from the desk or wherever we are to the pantry and to the fridge. So be careful not to overeat while you're at home. This is my struggle. I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now. Uh, 
You know, if I'm not at my desk, if I'm not outside or exercising, I'm taking trips to the pantry cupboard, and, and it's at home, it's very easy to snack, and uh, so be careful of that. Don't overeat during your home stays, and, and exercise. The Bible says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, physical training is good. Uh, this is another version. I believe this is a New Living Translation. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, okay? So it's not saying that, that physical training is not good. It's good. But obviously the priority is our spiritual health. Um, but physical health is also important. Um, You've got to look after your bodies. A lot of sicknesses derive from um, our, our lifestyles. And so lifestyle-driven diseases and sicknesses, you can turn that around by making sure you exercise regularly, go for walks, uh, do whatever you do. You can go to YouTube and see different exercises that you could do. And of course, incorporate fasting. Fasting is not only great as a spiritual discipline. Number one, it's for spiritual. It's to get us closer to God, as it were. But it also helps us physically. It's got great physical and health benefits, which I don't have time to go into. Number six, uh, complete unfinished projects at home. Okay, I know our youth pastor, Brother Greg, told me that uh, his wife, Rachel, has got him finishing all this, uh, uh, fixing up furniture and stuff like that at home. So you can do that. Clear out your garage. Do some spring cleaning. Finish the paving, plumbing, or renovation projects that your wife's been wanting you to do. Okay, I'm not there yet. <laughs> uh, but uh, what a great opportunity to do that, unfinished, uh, unfinished projects. Number seven, turn off from mainstream media. Turn off from mainstream media, okay? Because the way that the mainstream media reports, and of course, we have to get information. You can get information from the government through the WhatsApp uh, uh, number that you can get. But if you're always watching the mainstream media, the mainstream media has an agenda, okay? And you, you watch how they present things. It's always sensationalized. And that's what causes fear and panic in people as well. And the, the way that they put it, I mean, the, the, the media, I believe, is CNN, which... Uh, their ratings were, were fledgling, and now uh, their, their ratings have skyrocketed since this pandemic. But it's the way that they're presenting. So be very, very careful. The, le- the mainstream media is not kind to Christianity. They are not sympathetic to the church. You notice about that issue with, with uh, Israel Falau last year. The mainstream media was always painting him out to be some bigot, some racist, some, some old-fashioned Uh, who doesn't belong in our society. They were happy. And and so they don't stand for Christian uh, uh, principles. They're the mainstream media. So you got to turn that off. Get your, uh, you know, you should be getting your information from something that you can read and not just from something that you watch, okay? Read the news. Don't just watch the news. And be careful for that source. Uh, You know, more conservative sources of media are Fox News and Sky News. They are more conservative, um, uh, obviously, the mainstream ones are on the other side. They're very, very left-wing liberal, and they are anti-Christian in their perspectives, most of them. All right? So turn off from that. Number eight, don't rely on devices to pass the time. Okay, don't rely on devices to pass the time. Michael Hyatt said, there's really no such thing as multitasking, but it's really more frantic switching. Studies have shown that people who multitask are 40% slower at solving problems, okay? So just turn off that device. Uh, You know, somebody said it's called the World Wide Web for a reason because anything that gets caught in a web is usually eaten, okay? When you get caught in the web, 
your time is going to get eaten and maybe even your mind and your heart that's where you know all that the junk is you know pornography and all of that you got to be careful that you're not you don't get stuck in that web so turn off the devices don't rely on devices to pass the time but but read a book um, read your bible of course spend time uh, talking to your kids and enjoy your time together get some board games read write maybe somebody said that there's a book in everybody i don't i don't know if that's true or not i'm sure there is but whether anybody has the time uh, that's another story and finally i'm going to close with this redeem this time by reigniting your family devotions reignite your family devotions okay um redeeming the time as it says in ephesians 5 and 16 because the days are evil therefore do not be unwise but understand what the will of the lord is and don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or excess but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the lord get get your family around just even for half an hour and say look we're just going to read a scripture read the scripture if you have older kids uh, you and your wife can can discuss you and your husband can discuss what is that scripture how does that speak to you and pray together i would to god that every home uh, of the, the the pentecostal of god's church would be filled at this time with prayer and devotion and seeking god because remember the prayer is prayers are so powerful prayer we 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 build a, a hedge with prayer. We, we stand in the gap with prayer. We make intercession with our prayers. And so while we were at home, what a great opportunity to unite together uh, in, in, in unity, that though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, it says in, in Ecclesiastes 4 and 12. And a threefold cord is not easily or quickly broken. And I want to close with that. Um, that's nine points again that I want to give to you redeem the time god is a god of, of redemption he's a redeemer and we brothers and sisters have the ability and the capacity to use this opportunity this time to 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 further god's cause in our lives to get us closer to one another to god and to ultimately fulfill his purpose in our lives amen let us pray father we thank you for your word here today thank you for all of our people that are watching us join us by live stream on their phones and devices and we're thankful for the technology that we have today but i pray lord god that even as uh, we are confronted by uh, these draconian measures of of restrictions of our movement and having to be confined to the home lord god let it be used for your purpose and for our benefit lord god that we can uh, go back to the basics of what it really means to be a child of God, what it really means to be a, a man, a woman, a child uh, in this world that you have created. And that, Lord, we would learn as a family to pray and seek your face. I pray that your presence would be in our midst, that your anointing would flow upon every home, upon every family at this time. As we intercede for our world, I pray that you would bring revival to our world, that you would bring such a spiritual awakening that, that this circumstance, that this pandemic has already caused the stirring and the shaking of the foundations you said it in your word that you're going to bring a shaking one more time in order to reveal that which cannot be shaken which is your word and your people your church and so i pray lord that a revival would come that a sweeping worldwide revival would envelop our world and here starting in camp and sydney and australia 
Lord God, we want to make ourselves available to you for your kingdom. So bless us right now. Meet every need for all of our people, those that have lost their jobs, the, the, the elders in our churches, Lord God, that are, are somewhat considered uh, susceptible and, and are vulnerable. We pray for your hand of protection. We ask you that your blood would cover us. And we pray that your name uh, would, would be our, our, our covering, our refuge from despair. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Don't forget to continue to subscribe, to share, to comment, to like, uh, to continue to give on our different platforms. And also, uh, Sunday, again, join us for our two services, 915 and 1115. God bless you and have a great night.